Welcome back, everyone. Al Gottfried, A.J. Gottfried. Pleasure to back uh, up and uh, step aside and head out to, I believe, Palm Desert with our friend Steve Garvey. Yeah. Steve, good morning. Hi. Can I be a Gottfried boy, too? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Always a pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, Over the last, I don't know how many years, we've been talking Dodgers with you, obviously, and every once in a while we'll talk yeah. a little Padres, but... There's a lot more to talk to you about. I saw some great highlights of you, uh, the courthouse, kind of getting everything ready to go. And first of all, before we even get into Dodger talk and the future of possibly what's going to happen this coming year, congratulations on the formal announcement uh, to run for Senate. And uh, tell everyone just kind of uh, how you're feeling these days. Well, first of all, thanks. Um you know, you, you're never quite sure when the germ of an idea comes into your head and uh, and then it starts to blossom and you end up uh, in, with you guys today uh, officially running for the U.S. Senate in California. Um, and, and the big challenge uh, of being a moderate in the state of California uh, that's been predominantly uh, liberal and progressive for a couple of, uh, let's say, three decades now. Yeah. But it started back in, in uh, March. Um, I've been approached a couple times early in the year about considering running for office. And um, I thought about it, but I, I probably, uh, uh, when I was retiring back in 88, 89, I was uh, significantly approached at that time. And, you know, life is about timing. Uh, I met the love of my life at that time. And Candace and I have been married 35 years. And, wow. you know, we have these wonderful, yeah, time flies. Mm -hmm. Mazel so tov. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this wonderful life. And then I, I woke up in early March. And, uh, you know, those days when you, you had a dream, you're not sure exactly what it, what it was. Hmm. And I turned the TV on and I, I saw which has been typical now for quite a long time. Um, the snarky, rancorous uh, back and forth between parties in Washington, uh, dysfunctional Washington. And, you know, just sad for this country in the way that it's become so disrespectful in terms of how we treat each other. And I, I tapped my wife Candace on the shoulder and, and she looked up and I said, honey, let's run for the Senate. Hmm. And she casually turned over and I, uh, and then she looked back. She said, don't you think you're a little young? And I said, uh, I think I could overcome my youth if we do this. So that began uh, four or five months of uh, going through the process of determining whether uh, there was a pathway and whether I'd have support. Um, obviously, I've been you know, registered Republican and I needed support there. And then uh, finally, it was, oh, gosh, August, I think, um, when two giant fans came up to me and said, Garb, we hate the Dodgers, but we'll vote for you. So, wow. there you go. and along with a couple of Democrats saying they never voted for Republican, that they vote for me. And, uh, and we just decided there's no bad time to do the right thing. And I think, uh, you know, this country has always been based on uh, two voices, um, two opinions, uh, a consensus, you know, that, that does the right thing for, for this country. And uh, we just don't have that here. And I tried to find somebody that I thought I could get behind. There was nobody. And I said, you know what, at this point in my life, uh, why don't I just step up? Maybe this is the legacy of this point in my time to run for office and see if I can stimulate the public to get out of a malaise that, that they've been put into um, and to have them stand up and say, remember the movie Network, you yeah. know, when Peter 
Finch stands up and he said, I'm, I'm mad as heck. I abbreviated that. And I'm <laughs> not going to take it anymore. And I think that's what California needs. And I'll be the messenger. Um, I'll get the bows and arrows and, and so forth shot at me. But uh, I have a voice. And, and both of you know, I had a great career, played in front of millions of people. Probably my single greatest currency besides my family is uh, is uh, the relationships with the fans and the people of California. And I guess my theme is I never took the field for Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, libertarians, uh, but for all the fans. And now I'm running for all the people. There you go. We're Republicans and we'll be talking you up every, uh, every day, my friend. Hey. Thank you, thank you. But I actually am a proud conservative, and I got to be honest with you. I we left California, unfortunately, Steve, for a lot of reasons. The state needs help, and so you know, are you going to move back if Steve gets elected? Probably not. <laughs> I fell in love with this state of Texas, but I'll tell you why. California is one of the most beautiful states, not only states, places on the planet, and sure. you know it needs help, and I think it needs someone like you to get it done. Well, I talk about you know when I first came to California, September first of nineteen sixty nine. You know, when they bring up four or five guys from the minors every year. And the Dodgers brought up uh, Bill Buckner, Bobby Valentine, Tom Vashorek, and myself. And uh, I flew in from Albuquerque in the morning. It was a Sunday morning. First time I'd ever been in California. And I landed in uh, at LAX. And, you know, I was from Tampa, Florida, which is a pretty nice place. It's more of a family business town. It's not too much uh, tourism. But it was still palm trees in the Gulf of Mexico. So I got in a cab and... And then I saw the difference of the, of the topography, so to speak, of California. And all of a sudden, about 35 minutes later, you know, no traffic on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> that turned out good. <laughs> and I got to uh, Vince Scully Way. And uh, you know how you drive up into the ravine? You can only see the top of the stadium uh, from sunset. And then you get to the top, and here it is, the Cathedral of Baseball. And the cab pulled around to the entrance, they told me, and I walked in, got to the clubhouse, and uh, there was Nobi Kawana, the old uh, clubhouse man. I think you know the old story of me being a bat boy in spring training in Florida for mm -hmm. the Brooklyn Dodgers and having that history. And I walked in, and, and he said, uh, son, welcome. You know, we know your story. I remember you when you were a chubby little kid. And he took me to my locker, and uh, there was a Dodger uniform. And, and I expected, you know, number 62 or 77. <laughs> and I grabbed it, and I looked to the back, and there was number six. And he smiled as if, you know, we're giving you something special because of, you know, all the bat boy days. And I uh, put the uniform on, and, and I've always said, if, if you truly understand the history of the Dodgers, or even the Yankees, maybe the Cardinals, you understand – what this franchise has meant to the game of baseball and the sports in America. And uh, I felt it. We took early batting practice, 1030, and we were all, you know, all excited. And I was hitting balls into the bullpen and down the right field line out. And, you know, the Peshore was doing the same thing. And then uh, all of a sudden, fast forward to the bottom of the eighth inning, and we're down 3-0 to the Mets. Hmm. And uh, Walter Austin looks at me. He said, you ready, kid? And I said, yes, sir. And I grabbed a helmet and it had a double air flap it must have been the first generation first one ever made and i grabbed a bat and i was walking up to the path of the home plate and i look across and there in the dugout sitting with his legs crossed is this big man and it was gil hodges oh. and my first day as a bat boy i think it was march 28th of 56 uh waiting for the Dodgers to take batting practice. The Yankees are finishing up. I heard son want to play catch. And I turned around. There was go Hodges. That's cool. And 
Uh, he was my first interaction. And of course, he became my hero with Reese and Snyder and Campanella. But looking across as I approached, you know, the uh, the batter's box and thinking to myself, my Lord, there's there's Gil, my mm. idol. Mm. And uh, we faced a little lefty by the name of Jack Delora, and he uh, threw me a little uh, little cutter inside. I turned on it, just missed the foul pole. Mm. And then typical lefty, a little, you know, a little fade away pitch outside, and I got a hold of it, sliced it just past the foul pole. And I stepped back, and I'm thinking, <laughs> This isn't too tough. They almost had <laughs> on two pitches. And he wound up and he threw this ball that looked like it deflated. It was the first screwball I'd ever seen. Wow. Went outside and I started to swing and I extended out and the bat came out of my hands and flew over Wayne Garrett, the third baseman's head, and literally <laughs> hit the outfield grass. Strike three. So I'm standing there, you know, still excited. And I go back to the dugout, and uh, and Walt Alston had been at the top step, and he said, well, son, pretty auspicious start. He said, you just missed two home runs, and you set a record for a, a uh, for Dodger Stadium with a bat throw fair. Nobody's ever reached the <laughs> And he said, but you'll probably get a couple thousand hits before it's all over and ended up with just about 2,600. But, you know, that was the um, the beginning of, of, uh, of a dream coming true, but it got me to the starting line, I say. And then the rest, you know, the remaining 20 years was an evolution chapter by chapter and realizing how blessed I was to play with this great organization and then five years in San Diego helping them to get to the World Series for the first time that I was creating a, uh, a persona and a voice and a personality. Uh, and always, you know, my idols ran hard to first base. They didn't take days off. They played hurt. Um they were the boys of summer, and I learned from that. And I think, you know, that attitude and approach and passion for the game is what uh, has developed over 50 years of people knowing who I am and how I've contributed back to the community, way of me back, and this great currency of uh, relationship with the people of California and around the country. There you go. Well said. I saw cool you on stories. I saw you on Instagram yesterday, and uh, I can definitely relate to how difficult it is to ask people for money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm not a professional politician. Uh, career politicians are are, you know, my opponents, so to speak. And you know, it's not easy. I I love the talking, bantering back and forth. If I make 50 calls, you know, 45 of them are people that you know have a memory or something like that, which is phenomenal when we talk. And then I say, you know, please go to stevegarvey.com, $30 million behind right now. <laughs> please do anything you possibly can because that's the game. Yeah. And um, and do do I get certain earned value of the things I do? Absolutely. And do I think that um, they have $30 million and I started, you know, raising money about a month ago? Are we even? Absolutely. Because of... Uh, because the state, this uh, the state and, and country is in, yep. so um, it needs a fresh voice, uh, fresh ideas. It needs somebody to stick up for you know to to fight the crime in our streets, to work daily for quality of life. Uh, are we better off today than we were three years ago? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, quality of education is 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 gone downhill. Uh, social issues are being taught now that no one ever would have thought that they would be taught to our children. Let's get back to core subjects, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, how about civics, how about a little history, uh, science. Uh, let's get these kids ready for, for a life. You know, life is challenging. It's never easy, but let's get them prepared. And, and as a parent, you know, the single greatest gift is, is our creation of, of a human being, our children. Uh, right next to it, though, is um, 
the responsibility for their safety and wellness. And that's been challenged. Um, and then the, the attack on, you know, the Judeo-Christian values. I mean, all these things, you know, add up to a, a persistent effort uh, to change uh, the way we believe America to be. And that's why I'm running. Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. Is my pathway to success narrow? Absolutely. But uh, I think people know that I get up every day when I make a commitment. It's a commitment to the people for that quality of life that we, that we need. Well, if I was living in California, I, you would have had my vote. But I will definitely tell, and I'm sure all of my friends love everything that the future holds, I think. Uh, and uh, I'm really happy that you're doing this. So congratulations on that. And I'm looking forward to seeing how your journey continues. I want to talk to you, uh, take this time, though. And some things have actually developed in the world of Dodgers. Mookie Betts now is going to be the everyday second baseman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He can play anywhere, and he would still be one of the most dominant players in the league. So I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I, our infield's changing. I feel like it's changing. It's going to be totally different over the next maybe three months. We're going to see a big difference. And, you know, yeah. I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the possibility of bringing Shohei over. That's a possibility. Let's start with uh, last year, first off, or this year, this past year. What's your takeaway from uh, how we played and, you know, how the playoffs went? Well, uh, common sense tells you that we're an exceptional regular season team. Now, with that said, I, I think every year there's three seasons. There's spring training preparation, there's opening day in the regular season, and then there's October. Mm. And Octobers have been disastrous. I mean, when you look at what do we have, 111 wins and basically 100 wins this past year, and not to get out of the NLDS and to lose to teams that, and, uh, well, the, let's take the Padres, you know, year before this past one. I mean, they went to New York. They beat the Mets, you know, at at New York, at that stadium. Yep. And they, you know, they were rolling. They come off that win, and, yeah, I think they lost the first game at Dodger Stadium, but they, the bullpen for them had started to mold, and, and all of a sudden they just run the table. Okay, you know, I think they were, you know, they were a good team that was coming along. But this year, Arizona, to come in and beat beat the Dodgers as they did, became a, a, a real stress, I, I think, on the front office uh, on down through the clubhouse. Because I think your goal is to win a world championship. Yeah. If, if you have made the investment, if you franchise that has the, the economic wherewithal and has put together a, a strong 10 years um, of, of building a winning team, but you've only won one world championship, you have to really analyze where is is the problem? Where is the weak underbelly, so to speak? And I think it, you know, it 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 starts at the top. What happens when your first couple of guys don't get on? Mm -hmm. And like in, against the Padres, they I think they never they scored four runs after the uh, after the fourth inning in four games. And this year they were one for what twenty something or whatever. Yeah, they couldn't hit. What has been their strength all of a sudden became their weakness because that sets the table for the remaining order. Now, I don't, do I think the team was as good offensively this year as, as the previous year? Not necessarily. And then when you start to lose um, this wealth of pitching talent to injuries yeah. and Tommy Gunn injuries, I mean, there's got to be a study done now. How many of these high-quality pitchers have now had their second Tommy John uh, surgery? Yeah. So – and if you if all of a sudden you're in a late stage and people you thought maybe could come back in September don't, then all of a sudden your weakness is your starting pitching. 
And if you can't get to a bullpen that arguably did did well, um, you're not going to win. So um, nobody came up with that. You know that press conference after the after you lose that that uh, terrible press conference <laughs> that nobody wants to say yeah. anything at. Yeah, it's tough because you got you got exceptional ball players um, that just haven't been performing. So you keep reworking. You keep trying to. You know, I think they say it's 50-50 getting Otani. Um, if I was Mr. Otani in his camp, you know, I would go with the Dodgers because of Pacific Rim, because of history, because of quality of team, uh, franchise, and so forth. I, If I was the Dodgers, I'd do whatever it takes because, interestingly enough, he doesn't only perform on the, on the field. He brings money via media and advertising to mm-hmm. the franchise. So um, being a media guy, I can see him making up you know, 20, 30 percent at least of his salary every year by what he brings into the team that he plays for. So um, but then he, now you got to go to um, to uh, starting pitching and who's going to be available for for next year to be those five guys. Um, is Clayton coming back? Should he come back? Um, you know, these there's a lot of question marks out there for a franchise that's been in arguably uh, world championship position each year. Mm-hmm. Can you get through a certain period of time and win without having like, like you know, pitchers? I don't think you can. Can you? Not for a long period of time. Right. You know, yeah. Let's say when I say a long period of time, I, I I'm talking about a couple of months. You know, I'm not yeah. talking about you. I'm talking about a couple of months where you lose your momentum, uh, the stress put on your offense, but. You know, in this millennial baseball where it's, you know, three run home runs and launch angle, uh, you've got to adjust to the situation. So instead of, you know, your offensive guys, you know, your your everyday players have got to say to themselves, okay, uh, let's get back to putting the ball in play, going the other way, manufacturing runs. Uh, we can't just wait for the big, the big hit because we're playing some pretty good teams when you're starting to play the Braves and, and Arizona on the street. So you've got to start to change your game plan, so to speak. When everything's going well, guys are hitting home runs. You get four home runs a, a day. It's nine to two, you know, eight to one. Uh, but then when you've got to, you know, go out there and, and it's nine to eight, you know, and 11 to, to, to seven, uh, it's tough to sustain that. Can the Dodgers even afford Shohei Otani considering they have Two of, of the already of the highest paid, you know, baseball players in the league, and Mookie and Freddie, and I mean, I think they can because they didn't really sign anyone last year, right? No, I think they um, probably. I don't know for sure, but I think uh, Mr. Friedman probably decided that he was going to um, pare down his his salary in uh, preparation for this year, yeah. and that's why. Uh, several position players coming and you know from other teams and and so forth uh and some of the guys did a nice job of filling in you know and i say filling in the you know 15 home runs and 40 rbis and things like that but I, i'm always a big believer that you really need seven guys going out every day and building that that consistency you know i was always always sad to see seager leave uh, and you can you can look at sure he was he had some injuries and so forth, but I thought that he was a cornerstone of that infield that could be built on and, and was built on. But all of a sudden, when you have shortstops that that don't pro- provide power, you know, like the old days, <laughs> good glove and, and no power, but yeah. that's side. 
I mean, your shortstop nowadays on championship teams should be hitting 20 home runs plus. You know, it's back to the drawing board, so to speak. You know, it's, I love the game. I love the Dodger organization, which gave me a chance and, you know, let me bat boy and get pine tar on my hands. Mm -hmm. and I think the I think the Padres are an inter interesting uh, uh, team and organization right now. Um, they, yeah, they, they may have a lot more variables than the Dodgers simply because of the loss of, of, uh, Peter Seidler, uh, who I knew as a young boy growing up, he was Peter O'Malley's, uh, nephew and, and all those seven or eight kids from the Seidlers are running around spring training every year <laughs> and seeing Peter, uh, you know, uh, purchase the team and, and, and make a serious investment in him, which I think was because he understood what you know, his his team, the, the Dodger organization, and his family had done through the years in terms of investing in on-the-field talent uh, because it's the entertainment business. That's what it's all about. You don't think of it as the entertainment business, but it's subcategory sports, subcategory baseball, and it's about, uh, I call them the authors and poets on the field that bring the people to the ballpark every day. You had one of the greatest managers, I mean, of all time. <laughs> colorful. At least. I mean, certainly colorful. I mean, geez. <laughs> Um, he was a yeah, but you know, you look at like, okay, not to compare him to Dave Roberts. I can't do that, but you know, how, how much do you put, how much weight do you put on the, on the shoulders of the manager? Well, I may have a record. I'm not sure, but I played for three hall of fame, uh, managers, Walter Olson, Tommy and Dick Williams, yeah. um, three different styles, three different personalities, three different Hall of Fame managers. But that was at a different time. That was before uh, the metrics kicked in and sabermetrics and algorithms and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, and I don't know if I haven't been in a, an early in the day meeting, but I'm quite sure that the baseball office has, has done all of its metrics and all of its uh, factoring and put together probably a lineup that day and, you know, a series of, of uh, adjustments that can be made throughout the game, depending on situations. And I think nowadays the, the manager, Dave Roberts, actually his job, most of it pretty much begins with the first pitch. Is it important in the clubhouse, the culture? Yes. He, he is the man that has to, has to really make sure the culture is it, what needs to be. Uh, and he and he, he's done a very good job, very cohesive in that clubhouse. But once the game starts, then and everybody's most people blame Dave this year, and you know for way back when Houston, you know, beat the Dodgers. But I seem to think uh, this is a collaboration. You can never blame any one person. You can't blame any one player mm -hmm. uh, or on-field management or or baseball management. It's a collaboration nowadays more than anything else. I've always felt that, too. Great point. Um, gosh. Steve Garvey hangs out with us back again here and uh, appreciate all that you uh, do and what you're going to do, hopefully, for the state of California. Congratulations. Wouldn't it be great to say uh, U.S. Yep. Senator yeah. <laughs> Steve Garvey? That'd be great. Hanging out with Donald Trump. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Hey, to go That's it. Thank you. So, oh, there well, you go. There more, you go. One more time. My my campaign team says, listen, we know you're not a professional uh, politician, but you better say SteveGarvey.com. There you go. I love it, man. As always, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk real soon. Happy holidays.